0: let us pray father thank you for this day that you have made thank you for your presence in our midst we humble ourselves before you and we ask you that you pour out your holy spirit into our lives even now come holy spirit open up the word to us and lead us into an encounter with jesus in jesus name we pray amen good morning it's good to be back uh, my name is Lenny Konchewitz, I'm the resident church planter here at Grace Anglican, and my family and I, we moved to uh, St. John's County a month ago, where we um, are leading the church plant, and so I have the privilege of um, preaching today and sharing with you, and I'm really looking forward to it. I was really getting a lot out of it myself when I prepared for this, and that's always good. Now, who of you likes to be on a losing team? No one. It goes against our nature, doesn't it? Now, if I was into American football, and if I knew anything about it, I would probably pick a team now, and pick on that team. <laughs> but I let you do that. Because where I'm from, in Germany, we don't play fut- football, at least not your, your version of it. We actually kick the ball with our feet in Germany. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, we're in the season of epiphany. Light shining in the darkness. And I want to look a little bit today at what that means and how Jesus shunned his light into the darkness. And I want to share a story with you. When I was 14 years old, Jesus did a few things in my life that really shook me in a positive way and opened my heart and my eyes to see that he is real and that he wants a relationship with me. And he set me on fire with a passion and desire to serve him for the rest of my life. And one of the things that happened uh, when I was 14, is one day I, I joined a youth group meeting. I wasn't really so much part of that meeting, but somebody I knew, a minister, came and served that youth group, and so I joined her. Now, that minister, she had a very similar ministry to our Reverend Gus here. Um, he, she was a prayer and healing minister. So she shared that more, uh, that afternoon, and As she was speaking, suddenly one of those teenagers started manifesting and an evil spirit started coming out of him. Now, I was shocked. (laughs) And I thought, my goodness, I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus, but in that moment, I started praying too. And I thought, whoa, this is real. And before I knew it, that spirit came out and that guy screamed at the top of his lungs and he was instantly set free and he was a changed person. He had so much freedom and so much love in his life suddenly, and you could see the difference. And I said, wow, if this is the power of God, if this is real, then I want to be on that side of the team. I want to be part of the winning team. (laughs) You know, it says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And that became my, my slogan for a while. And I thought, man, this power is real, and I want to be part of that. I don't want to be missing out. And I love seeing people get free and healed and delivered. Now today's gospel reading in Mark, we read a very similar story. Jesus goes into a synagogue and this guy starts manifesting a demon and Jesus casts it out and everybody is just amazed because Jesus didn't just deliver nice sermons and make everybody feel good and increase their head knowledge, but Jesus' teaching actually came with authority and power. And that is what made him so popular so quickly. He literally became a light in the darkness because of the authority and the power that he carried on his life. And it's very interesting, in verse 28, we learned this morning that the news about Jesus spread quickly through the whole region of Galilee. Now, this is significant because many, many, many centuries earlier, the prophet Isaiah prophesied over Galilee, a very interesting prophecy, and I want to read it to you. We can find it in Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah in the Spirit saw a light dawning on Galilee, and the way It manifested itself was by casting out demons and unclean spirits and then when we read the rest of the chapter there were other things too like healings and all of these kind of things but the the first powerful thing Jesus did was he cast out an evil spirit the light of the world had arrived now when when you switch on the light the spiritual light in a spiritual dark place it can be quite uncomfortable at times it's messy I mean, imagine somebody walking in here and preaching, and suddenly people start shrieking and shouting and manifesting demons. I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable, <laughs> isn't it? It's a bit messy. But you know what? I, um, you know, there are, unfortunately, entire churches, in fact, entire denominations, that say, no, we, we don't do that anymore. We don't believe that Jesus still delivers and heals people. That was for back then, not for us anymore. Now, I, I humbly disagree with that because I don't think that Jesus ever said, this is just for you, dear disciples, and we won't, we won't do any more healing and any more deliverance in the future. We want people to stay under demonic bondage. I don't, I don't think he ever said that. I do believe, though, the devil likes to come in and create these mentalities in us that cut us off from the healing and deliverance power of God that is available for us to, to lift us into the life that we were meant to live. You know, the church was never meant to be a spa for those who have it all together and feel nice about themselves. You know, the, the church was meant to be a place where people can come and encounter God and, and be set free and be healed. That's what the church is meant to be. So I want to, to answer, look at two questions this morning based on how Jesus came and revealed his power and became the light of the world by casting out unclean spirits, I want to look at two questions. And the first question is, why was Jesus' authority so unique? What made it so different? Why was his teaching and his power so, where did it come from? Now, it seems like an obvious answer, but I still want to take the time to lay that foundation because it is significant. And it will lead us into the second question I want to answer this morning, which is, what does all of this have to do with us? What is our role in all of this? So first of all, where does this authority come from? I want to connect this to the first reading we had this morning from Deuteronomy 18, where Moses promised that God would raise up a prophet like him. Now, throughout the course of history, between Moses and between Jesus, there were many, many prophets that sort of were like Moses. Moses. But then there was supposed to be another prophet, the prophet, who fulfills all of the prophetic ministry, who is the major prophet, and he will be like Moses as well. And it's interesting because there are many parallels between the life of Moses and the life of Jesus, if you look at it closely. I don't have time to go into all the details and do a Bible study about this this morning, but it's fascinating, the similarities between those two prophets. The main point, though, I want to to share with you is just like moses led people of god out of egypt out of bondage so jesus is leading the people of god out of bondage out of spiritual egypt oppression um, and being under the oppression of sin under slavery to the to satan that is what jesus is leading us out of through his death and resurrection similar to how Mo- moses led his people out of egypt but then there is another bigger dimension to Jesus. Jesus was not just a prophet like Moses. He was of greater glory than Moses, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2 and 3 say. If you look that up in the New Testament, Hebrews 3, it says, Jesus was of greater glory than Moses. And it explains what that means. And it says in verse 5 and 6, Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So Jesus had greater glory than Moses because Moses was only a servant in God's house. Now, not an insignificant servant, a very influential, significant servant. And yet, Jesus, when he came, he didn't come as a servant. Yes, he was a servant, but it was not the root of his identity. The root of his identity was that he was the son. He was the son of God. And he got his authority directly from the Father. He got it directly from the Father. We must not forget that in the kingdom of God, we're not in a democracy. You don't gain authority through popular vote which solves a lot of problems, doesn't it? <laughs> you don't get voted into authority. You, you cannot buy it either. You can't pay God a certain amount of money and say, hey, can I please have more authority? Somebody once tried that in the book of Acts and it did not end well. The only way to receive authority in the kingdom of God is by inheriting it. It's an inheritance. You can't earn it, you can't work for it. You just, you're birthed into the family. Most of you know Queen Elizabeth II, right? When she dies, which who knows when that will be? (laughs) She's been around so long, man. When she dies, guess who becomes king? Charles, why? Because he's the first born son. No discussion he will have the authority of the king. So what does all of this have to do with us now, knowing that Jesus' authority came from his sonship? Again, Jesus' authority came from his sonship. What does this have to do with us? Well, I'm glad you asked, (laughs) because I'm going to tell you. Remember, the series is called Light Shining in the Darkness. Now, this, of course, refers to Jesus, who is the light of the world. But in the famous Sermon on the Mount, which we read in Matthew 5, he teaches his disciples, and he looks at them, and he says, You are the light of the world. The calling he received from his Father he passed on to us. So when we're talking about a light shining In the darkness, we have that nice banner back there, Jesus, the light of the world. When we are on his side, then we get to shine in the same light that Jesus had when he came. doesn't mean that we are Jesus. It means that we're like him, that we become Christ-like. And one one way by doing that, one way by releasing and shining the light of Christ in this world is by receiving and inheriting the same power and authority that he had. We just learned that authority comes from sonship. And I want to share with you a verse that many of you are probably familiar with in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, but to all those who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, the moment you believed in his name according to the scripture, in that very moment, something supernatural happened in your life. The Father in heaven rebirthed you. You were born again. This is where we get this phrase from. You were born again. You were born into a new family, into the family of God. You have received the spirit of sonship or the spirit of daughtership, to include everybody in this. You have received the spirit of sonship the moment you put your faith in Jesus. You were born not of somebody's will, not of somebody's vote, not of somebody's opinion. You were born of God. What an amazing reality. This is true for you and me who have put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Now, if you have not put your trust in Jesus yet, I want to encourage you this morning to do that. You're really missing out if you don't. Put your trust in his name. Now, there is something interesting about the verse here, too. It says, he gave those people the right to become children of God. The word for for right is the Greek word, exousia, which is where we get the word authority from. So you received authority to be a son and a daughter of God when you put your faith in his name. The same word for authority appears in another scripture, in Luke 10. The context here is that Jesus had just sent out his his disciples on a mission trip. He sent them out and he said, go and heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, And in Luke 10, 19, Jesus says to his disciples, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. This is amazing. Jesus did the unthinkable here. What he had received from the Father, the authority that he inherited as the Son, the power that he was anointed with, that made him shine like a light in the darkness that made demons manifest wherever he appeared. I mean, the demons couldn't help but come out of people because Jesus walked into the room. That same authority, Jesus says, look, guys, I'm giving this to you. Now go and do what I've done. Can you imagine how freaked out the devil must have been? Not only did he already have enough trouble when Jesus, the Son of God, appeared and started doing all this, but now Jesus multiplied himself (laughs) into dozens and dozens of people who went all over Israel, pushing back the kingdom of darkness, announcing that the light of the world has come. What an amazing strategy of the Son of God. Now, I believe the enemy tries to create lids over our minds. As I said, we're 2,000 years later, and many, many churches have come up with explanations for why we don't maybe see this stuff happening so much anymore. And there might be some valid reasons, but I honestly do not want to buy into the, the idea that God doesn't want to heal and deliver people anymore. I want to be clear from the beginning of our church plant over there in St. John's County. I I, I want to be very intentional to invite the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do, to set his dear children free from the things that oppress them. This afternoon, we're having Pastor Gus come with his team to teach us about prophecy and prayer, and really looking forward to that. And yeah, it might be messy. I mean, I've grown up in the church, I've seen messy things, but I've also seen the change in people's lives. I've seen people getting set set free, and it's all worth it. And it's all because of the power of the Son of God. Some of you might think, well, logically I get this, but I do not think or believe that I actually have authority that I can pray with power. I've had plenty of experiences where I prayed for people and nothing happened, and I just struggle to think that I'm included in this. Well, I I want to encourage you. I've I've been there myself. (laughs) I know what it is like to pray. And nothing seems to happen. But I also know what it is like to pray and something does happen. And while I don't understand the mystery of the spiritual world and why some things sometimes happen faster than others, what I don't want to do is create a theology that hinders me from stepping out by faith and continuing to believe and trust that God still does heal and want to bring healing to people. And I want to encourage you this morning. I hope that this lid is being lifted off your hearts and minds and that you can embrace the authority that God has given you to, to do what he has called us to do, to be the light of the world. So how can we remove this lid? I want to give you just one or two practical things of what you can be doing starting today to help grow in this authority and power that God has given you. Well, the very first thing, again, is believe in his name. We only have authority if we come under Jesus' authority. If you try to mess in the spirit and cast out demons without being under the authority of Jesus, you set yourself up for a disaster. There is a story in the book of Acts where some people tried to cast out demons, but they were not followers of Jesus. And they were beat up and bruised badly. (laughs) Because in order to have authority, you must be under authority. And it's the authority of Jesus. So put your faith in his name if you haven't done so yet. And then I want to encourage you to start using what you already have. You have been born into the family of God. You have received the right to be a child of God. And with that comes authority and power. I want to encourage you to start praying for people. Next time you, you talk with somebody who is sick or who is struggling, say, may I pray for you? And then pray in the name of Jesus and take authority and resist whatever oppression is coming against that person. Speak to their sickness and just pray healing and the love of God to touch that person. Just start, start doing this stuff. Sign up to Gus's prayer school that he's offering starting this coming week. It will teach you, it will strengthen your faith and show you the biblical foundations of why and how we can tap into this resource of, of power that God wants to give us to further and advance his kingdom. I don't have the time to go into all the biblical foundations now, but Gus is going to offer an amazing course. And I believe God wants all of us to grow in our prayer life and teach us how to use authority how to wield the sword of the spirit and how to do some damage in the kingdom of darkness and all the men say yeah (laughs) all the ladies too i'm sure we have received that authority and let me finish with this i just want to remind us that when god gives us authority it's not to boost our ego This is like the worst thing you can do with authority. You know, when Jesus came, he didn't cast out demons, heal the sick, and say, whoa, I'm really cool. I got the power. It's the opposite. Whenever people tried to make him king or to to do something that was not in line with the will of the Father, he, he laid down his authority and he said, it's not about me here. My authority, my anointing, my power is so that you can be set free, not so that I can feel better about myself. The ultimate example is when Jesus went to the cross and he announced a few days before he was crucified, he said, I have received authority to lay down my life and to take it up again. And the night before he was crucified, he wrestled in prayer and he said to Peter, Peter, I could ask my father to send legions of angels right now. I actually have the authority, but I'm not doing it because authority is not for self-preservation purposes. Authority is not for me, it's for you. I have to go this path, but I'm going to take up my life again from the grave so that all of you can be set free from the curse of sin and death. This is how authority is used in the kingdom of God. It's always for the sake of others. It's always to bring healing and deliverance to others. So don't get me wrong, I want to encourage all of us to take authority and use it, but not so that we can run off and, you know, make people worship us. (laughs) And yet, we should learn how to use this authority. Authority comes from sonship. It is inherited, you have it, those of you who trust in his name. Now use it. Go and sign up to Pastor Gus's school. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for adopting us into your family, for breathing your spirit into us. Oh, thank you that we are forever safe in your hands, that we are united with you through the Holy Spirit. And thank you that this comes with authority because you have sent us into this world to bring healing and deliverance and restoration. So Lord, may you use us for your glory and may you stir up in us a desire to serve others and to bring healing and freedom to this dying and broken world. In Jesus' name, amen.